reading First uh, Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 is where I'll start reading. It says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in birth offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Uh, Saul had gone completely against what God had told him to do. God told him to utterly destroy Agag and everything. And he didn't do that. He thought he had a better way. And he thought, I'm going to save these things. I'm going to sacrifice them, which sacrifices are good, but this is not what God told him to do. And so what Saul was actually doing was actually rebelling against God. And Saul, one of the biggest problems he had, you know, with this, along with his rebellion that we see in his life, is he had a problem with stubbornness. Saul was a very stubborn individual. Verse uh, 23, for rebellion is this the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. So this stubbornness, the Bible says it's like iniquity and idolatry. We would all look down on somebody that's bowing down and worshiping an idol. But the Bible says if you're having a problem with stubbornness, it's the same thing as idolatry. And because he re- and his stubbornness is what caused him to reject the word of the Lord. He rejected. He didn't do what, he, what God told him to do. He stiffened his neck. He hardened his heart. And he did not com, uh, fulfill the command that God had given him. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And thy words, because I feared the people, and I obeyed their voice. So I, I was just doing this because this is what they wanted me to do. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. You are rejected, Saul. You're done for. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou, and also the strength of Israel will not repent, For he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. Now, when we read this passage here, it kind of looks like Saul is repenting. It kind of looks like Saul is sorry. But as we go through through this message, I'm going to show you too, he wasn't really. Okay, and Saul had some serious issues. Saul had some serious pride problems and stubbornness is one of Saul's biggest things that we see him having. And what I want to talk today is about the crippling sin of stubbornness. Crippling sin of stubbornness. And I think, and I wanted to preach this message today. Of course, you know, it's New Year's Eve. We're getting ready to start a new year tomorrow. And tomorrow, many people, they're going to, you know, begin their New Year's resolutions, all right? You know, they've got all these things that they're going to do different this year. It's going to be different this year. You know, 2018 is my year. You know, I'm finally going to conquer all these things in my life. But, you know, the the real problem when it comes to, you know, 2018 is the same person that we are on December 31st is usually who we are on January 1st. The truth is we have problems that we rarely want to fix. We have problems that you know we don't we don't change. We're stubborn. We're stiff-necked. We're we're hardened, and we we're we're not very good at changing. Sometimes we need to change. We hear a lot of preaching about not changing, and that's true when it comes to things where we're right. When it comes to the truth, we don't want to change in those things. But you know what? We've got a lot of areas where we do need to change. 
where we do need to be different. And 2018, it's going to be another year of disappointments and failures for some people because of a couple reasons. And one, this is just kind of a side note here. But, you know, we've got to get rid of this attitude that, you know, January 1st is a new year where we can start afresh and anew. I mean, when you stop and think about it, December 31st to January 1st, it's just another day, right? I mean, it's just another day. But at the same time, you know, people are all going to be celebrating and partying and all excited about the new year. Why is that? Because we think of a new year as a fresh start. But here's my question. Why is it? Why do we only have this attitude on January 1st? Shouldn't we have this attitude every day? In fact, we see in the Bible, you know, you don't see an attitude of things being annual. It's a daily thing. Lamentations 3.22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We need to treat every day like January 1st. We need to treat every day like, hey, this is a new day. I got a fresh start. Yesterday is behind me. I made mistakes yesterday, but you know what? Today, I'm going to start right. I'm going to do good. I'm going to get some victory in my life. But you know what most people are going to do is by January 2nd, they've already failed on their New Year's resolutions and they're going to wait 363 more days before they try fixing themselves again. You need to, Every day we need to renew these things. Every day we need to be getting right with God and we need to be trying to make resolutions and trying to improve our lives. Every day we need to do this. We've got to get out of this once a year mentality. You know, tomorrow the gyms are all going to be full tomorrow. Everybody's going to be exercising tomorrow. Everybody's going to be eating right tomorrow. Nobody's going to be going to McDonald's tomorrow, you know, because this is a new year. I'm going to, well, there'll be some people are still be going to McDonald's, but none of them intended to at the beginning of the day. But by the time lunch comes around and they're really hungry and that, you know, salad that they ate or, you know, that rice cake they ate for breakfast, you know, just it just didn't cover it. And they're going to give up and they're going to go there and they're going to fail and they're going to wait a whole nother year before they try again. And that's foolish. Psalms 118 verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We shouldn't have the attitude, 2018 is my year. This is the year I'm going to get it done. Because you're going to fail at some point in 2018. But you know, every day if you have the attitude, you know, this is the day which the Lord hath made. You know, this is my day. I'm going to, I'm going to change things today. I'm going to do good today. That's got to be the mentality that we have. Uh, Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Notice that you need to do these things today because if you don't, you're going to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that word stubborn, it means unreasonably obstinate inflexibly fixed in opinion, not to be moved or persuaded by reasons, inflexible as a stubborn son or a stubborn mind or soul. And, that's, and, and you see in the Bible, it uses the term stiffness a lot. Or it talks about them being hardened. And it's like we do, we just get hardened and we get stiff. And the longer we're in that position, the harder it is to get out of it. And we need to make sure... We don't allow that to happen. And that's why we need to have an attitude of day to day. Because the longer we remain in a sin, if, you know, when January 2nd comes around and you've already failed in your New Year's resolutions and you're just, don't plan on sinning for the next year. 
Because you're going to get hardened and it's only going to be harder next year. Every day you need to be trying to do these things. And, you know, when it comes to the things of God, many Christians actually have, they make the mistake of having a feeling of these things being a weekly thing. That's kind of how we think of Christianity today. That's kind of how we think of the things of God today. Well, it's a weekly thing. It's what I do on Sundays. Or even it's what I do on Sundays and Wednesdays. But when it comes to the things of God, it needs to be daily. Now, I'm not saying we got to have church every day, but I'm saying that you need to be in the things of God daily, not weekly. We've got, you know, we all know those Christians that are those, you know, once and twice a year Christians. And we all like to talk about how bad Christians they are. Those ones that only show up on Christmas and on Easter. But you know what? You're not going to be a very good Christian if you're just a weekly Christian. If the things of God are just something that you do on Sunday, you're not going to, you'll be better than the Christmas and Easter Christians. But you're not going to be you're not going to be a whole lot better. We need to be in the things of God daily. You need to be in the word of God daily. You need to be praying daily. It says in Acts 5:42, it says in daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts 16:5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. There was stuff going on every day. In Acts 17.11, uh, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Bible study should not just be going on here in church. It needs to be going on every day. We have certain assembly times, but the church ought to be growing all the time because daily we ought to be telling people about the things of God. You know, we, can't, you know, we're not, we might not have soul winning times every day of the week, but at the same time, God's people ought to be telling people about Jesus all the time. You shouldn't have to have a scheduled soul winning time for you to be telling somebody about Jesus. You ought to be doing it on a regular basis. It ought to just be a part of our life, telling people about Jesus. And day, these need to be daily things in our life. Because if they're not, the longer you go without doing something, the harder it is later. Because we get stiffened. We get, we get hardened. And so we need to have a daily mindset. And we see, you know, you know when, when we have, you know, lot, you know, when you're sore in your muscles. So my, I've got, I did some exercise the other day. My leg muscles are really sore. But, you know, after I've been walking around and stuff, you know, they kind of loosen up and they're fine. But when I've been sitting for a long time and then you get up and you start moving, you know how painful it is? You know, and it's like you almost don't want to sit still because, you know, you know, uh, well, I, I had some back problems a few years back and I remember it get like that. I'd be sitting for a long time and every time I get up, just the pain because you just get stiff. But then after I get loosened up, I was fine and it wasn't so bad. I was having muscle issues back there. And we need to make sure that we understand when it comes to, you know, spiritual things, when it comes to, you know, the things of God and even even physical things that we should be doing, the longer we go without fixing these things, the harder it is going to be to fix it later. And we need to make sure that we watch out for this. And stubbornness, okay? Stubbornness is one of the things that it cripples us. It makes it so difficult for us to do the things that we need to do. It makes it difficult for us to change. And a lot of times there's things we know we need to do them different. Whether it be dieting. I know I need to, I know I need to do things different. I know I need to change my diet. I'm going to do it just as soon as the holidays are over, you know, and then Christmas comes and well, you know, after New Year's, well, you know, Valentine's Day, you know, and then each, I mean, it was like we keep putting it off, 
But you understand, the longer you have a bad habit, the harder it's going to be to change that habit. And why don't we change these things? We're stubborn. We're so set in our ways. We're so used to our routines. You know, we're so used to that daily, you know, trip through the drive-through at McDonald's or that daily, you know, soda or whatever it is that we, you know, or that, you know, I'm trying to think of how to put, you know, how most of our soda drinking goes quarterly as in of the day, you know, each, you know, you know three or four a day. I mean, it's, 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 you know, we have so many bad habits. And the longer you remain it, the harder it's going to be. It's like, well, I know I need to change it someday. You need to change it today. If you don't change it today, it's just going to be harder in the future. You think about how hard it's going to be for you to change some things in your life now, and not just diet things. I'm talking about even spiritual things too. You think about how hard it would be for you to change these things now, it's only going to be harder tomorrow. But, and we don't, when we don't do these things that we know we should be doing, that is called stubbornness. That is called being stiff-necked. That's called being hardened. And the longer we go, the more difficult it's going to be. And so the thing, main thing, the reason most people are going to fail in 2018 and that is, is stubbornness. We are just a stubborn people. And some things that we need to realize about stubbornness is one that the longer you refuse to change, the harder it's going to be for you when you finally decide to change. It's only going to get more difficult. You've got to change it at some point, unless you want severe consequences. But and, and when it said, and not just once again, not just things when it comes to the diet, but when it comes even to spiritual things in your life, when it comes to doctrinal things. Okay, I mean, there's been things that God has changed in my life. You know, things that I taught wrong in the past that the Lord's you know had to straighten me out on. And you know what? It's it's not easy. We all hate eating our words. But do you realize the longer you wait to change them, the more words you do have to eat? Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture there. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. There are many preachers today. They they will not change on anything because they've just said too much. They've been corrected. They know the truth. But they they refuse to change. They will not change. Because they don't want to have to eat their words. But the problem with that is, now you're not right with God. You've been corrected. He's told you what you need to change. And now you know you no longer complete ignorance. There is no innocence. And it's like, I don't want to eat those words. I've said too much. But the problem is, if you remain in stubbornness, you are now going to just have to end up eating more words later. Would you rather eat, rather eat a little bit right now or eat a whole lot more later? You gotta get right, you, 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 you gotta get right at some point. But some people are stubborn. No, I refuse. But Ecclesiastes 5, 1 says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to, to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven, and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldst not vow, than thou shouldst vow a vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? We need to learn to just let our words be few. And we've got a lot of preachers today. They're wrong on areas. They've been corrected. 
but they are being stubborn. They refuse to change because they don't want to have to eat their words. And so instead, they start saying more words. They're doubling down on some of their foolishness. And the, only, the, the problem is now, they're just going to have to eat even more words later on. And we got to watch out for that stuff. Because you know, I've had to eat my words before and I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't taste good. But you know, I'm telling you, it's, it's better to just take your medicine now and be done with it and just you know, get it over with than to be stubborn and stiff-necked because it, it's only going to get worse as time goes on. The longer you wait, the more words you're going to have to eat. And the longer you wait, the more damage you have to repair. Get it right. It's kind of, or it's, it's kind of like guys. Sometimes we're too stubborn to admit we didn't know where we were going. And you get lost. And instead of just turning around, which is, a, I mean, there is nothing more frustrating when you're on a long trip than finding out you went the wrong way and then to have to double back and drive those boring roads again. It stinks. It's horrible. We all hate it. But you know, some people, they'd rather be stubborn and continue driving the wrong direction. But the problem is, at some point, you're going to have to turn around. At some point, you're going to have to change. And do you want to do it now? Would you rather admit to your wife that you were wrong now when you're only 20 miles out of the way? Or admit it later when you're 50 miles out of the way? It's going to be a pain listening to her run her mouth after the 20 miles, but it's really going to be bad. You've got to listen to it for 50 miles. So you might as well just get it over with and say, you know, forget the stubbornness and just say, I'm going to do the right thing and just fix it right now. But most people aren't going to do that. They're just going to remain stubborn. They're going to be stuck in stubbornness. Stubbornness. It will mess. It'll mess with your mind. Look what it says in First uh, Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14. First Samuel 16, verse 14. It says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. This happened to Saul after that story we looked at in 1 Samuel 15. After God rejected him from being king because of his rebellion, because of his stubbornness, the spirit of the Lord departed from him and an evil spirit came and it troubled him. And we, were, we went through the book of 1 Samuel uh, during, uh, the last several weeks in Sunday school and showed how Saul was, he was crazy. Saul, his mind was all messed up. Saul thought that David, one of his most loyal, trusted servants, was plotting against him. And Saul was trying to kill a great man of God because Saul's mind wasn't right. Because and the reason Saul's mind wasn't right, he, God was messing with his mind because of his stubbornness. Saul threw a javelin at his own son. You know why? Because Saul was crazy. Because Saul's son wasn't against him. Saul's son loved him. Saul's son wasn't doing anything bad, but he threw a javelin at him because the man was crazy. You know why? Because he was stubborn. He had a stubbornness problem and God messed with his mind. And you know, when you want to do the right thing, when you're stubborn, if you're a stubborn person, you decide you want to do the right thing, it's like you feel like you can't because the consequences would be too great. And see, this is the mind of the stubborn person. Uh, look at what, verse 30 of chapter 15. After, after Samuel has told Saul, God has rejected you from being king. Now understand that it was many, many years before Saul finally died. 
Okay, Saul ends up, or Samuel ends up anointing David shortly after this. But at the same time, it was done for, Saul was rejected by God. He had no chance of coming back because of this. And so Saul, has, he hears this terrible news. He hears that you've been rejected by God because of your rebellion and because of your stubbornness. And what does Saul have to say about this? I keep getting wanting to say Saul and Samuel. If I mix them up, you know what I meant. But look at verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. After he finds this out, you know what Saul says? Hey, can you at least honor me in front of other people? I understand that God's mad at me right now, but at least do something to honor me in front of the people so they all think everything's okay. Do you see that? Saul, you know, it's like he can't just humble himself like he should and do the right thing. What is he doing? He's asking for some honor from Samuel so he can at least make everybody else think that he's all right. And you know, that's the mentality a lot of people have. They, a lot of pastors, they have this mentality. Well, if I change on anything, nobody in my church is going to respect me. If I admit that I'm wrong on anything, you know, nobody's going to want to listen to me any, anymore. You know, people in my church are all going to leave if I go and I actually do the right thing. That's what's going on in their head. But their problem is they're just being stubborn. That's their problem. You know, the truth is, you know, we end, what people, these people who are stubborn do, they end up being held captive by the thoughts they think others will think. Because that's what the stubborn person thinks. Everybody in the church will hate me. Everybody in the th church won't respect me anymore. And so now, that person is not going to do what they know God wants them to do because of a thought that they think you're going to think. You're going to let, I, I always tell people, you know, why would you let people control you that way? Well, this person's going to think that. So you're not going to do the right thing because you were worried about a thought that's going to go through somebody's head. I refuse to give people that kind of control over me. I refuse to not do something that I want to do that's not wrong because I'm afraid that, you know, well, this person's going to say this. I refuse to let people's words control what I do. I'm definitely not going to let your thoughts control what I do. And I'm definitely not going to be dumb enough to let the thoughts that I just think you're going to think control what I do. And that's what these, that's what stubborn people do. That's what Saul's doing. And many people today, many preachers are terrified out of their mind to preach the word of God like they should because they're scared of what other people are going to think. They are letting someone else's brain activity stop them from doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, we live in this world with a lot of sci-fi TV. You know, you always see the Star Wars people with the force moving things with their hand. It's like, man, wouldn't that be cool to be able to move something with your mind? Well, you know what? There's people in churches today. They've got the power to move their preacher's mouth with their mind. That's pretty impressive right there. You know, and that's, that's how weak these guys are. That they will let people control them with their minds. And the truth is, they don't have to let these people control them, but they're just being stubborn. They're just refusing to change. And the truth is, in the end, everyone hates the proud. If, you, if, these, if they would just realize that they would humble themselves, people would actually like them better. God, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 5, God resisteth the proud, 
but giveth grace to the humble. None of, we don't like proud people. Nobody likes arrogant people. Nobody likes a know-it-all. Nobody likes somebody who's right all the time. Don't you hate that person that's just always right? We all hate them. Especially when they know they're always right too. Then we really hate them. And you've got these people today, they think I can't change on anything you know, because you know, people will think I'm a human being and I'm flawed. Well, you know what? The truth is, most people are very forgiving to the humble. They are. People are very forgiving to those who are humble. You know, when I started putting my messages on YouTube, I was kind of worried at first. Just because some of the preachers I knew that put their messages on YouTube, they have people criticizing them all the time. You know, they, they get a lot of negative feedback. You know, and then when they make mistakes, you got all these people out there that want to pounce on it. And I remember I was just like, I know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I know I'm going to say a lot of stuff that's stupid. I know I'm going to say a lot of you know, things that I'm going to want to take back later. I know I'm going to have to eat a lot of words. And I know that it's going to be real easy for somebody to make me look like an idiot. And I remember thinking, do I want to do this? And then I don't even remember what... You know, just one day it came to me. I was like, you know what? If as long as I am willing to admit when I'm wrong and humble myself, nobody's going to care. You know, if I mess up, all I have to do is just say, oh yeah, I was wrong. And then correct myself. And people will leave me alone and forgive me. You know, nobody's ever left our church because I admitted I made a mistake. You know, you know what people get mad about? It's when we make a mistake and we won't admit it. And when you do, when you, if you say things wrong, as long as you have enough humility to admit you are wrong, people are very forgiving. But you know what? Most people don't, they don't, they don't think that. And so what I've seen a lot of people do, you know, they'll put something out there, they'll say something, and now they are locked into that position forever. And you can go and you can take a Bible and you can show them where they're wrong and no, I insist on And they will not change. And then they make themselves look like an idiot because they double down on it. And that's what happened with the whole Sam Gibbs thing when he said Jesus wasn't his Messiah. You know, what I believe he actually meant by that is that he was going off that whole plan B thing. That, you know, the Messiah was for the Jews and the Gentiles were an afterthought. Now that's dead wrong. Okay, but I think that's where he was going with that when he said that. But the problem is that just factually was a stupid thing to say. And he got called out for it. And the thing is, he had gotten called out privately for it. And instead of having the humility to say, yeah, you know, I didn't I wasn't totally right in how I said that. You know, what he, did? he started insulting the people that called him out for it privately. And so then he got called out for it publicly. And then he started putting these videos out, clarifying what he said, and actually made it worse. He went and he made up a whole new definition of what Messiah means, saying it meant a deliverer, and basically used a verse in the Bible where it talks about a deliverer is going to come out of Zion. And he said that, you know, we were never promised a deliverer. That was for the Jews. But the only problem with that is that's also when it's quoted in one of the other books of the Bible, it uses the term redeemer. 
So were we not promised a Redeemer either? So do we not have to stop singing Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it? You know, the truth is, he, he went so far down the path of stupidity, it's not even funny, because if he'd have just admitted he was wrong at the beginning, if he'd have just said, yeah, I said that, but this is what I was thinking when I said that, people would have forgiven him. People would have, people would have gotten over it, but he got stubborn. And the guy has just gone so crazy on this stuff. Now, he's just completely discredited and more and more people are distancing themselves from him. And the problem is, the man's, he's got pride, a pride problem and a stubbornness problem. Now, he told everybody, at a, I was at a meeting one time, he kept telling everybody, I don't, have, I don't struggle with pride. I don't have a pride problem. Like, who says that? Okay. I'll admit right now I have a pride problem. That's the only reason I was worried about putting my messages on YouTube and worried about what people are going to say. I had to make sure I you know, humbled myself and just say, you know, as long as I'm willing to humble myself, I'll be okay. And it works fine. You know, it, it is long, it, but it doesn't come natural to me. I have to do these things on purpose. But people are, they're very forgiving to the humble. But stubborn people, they don't see that. And they get set in their ways and they just, they end up making themselves look really stupid. And... You know, I've got enough working against me, you know, that I'm going to add stubbornness to it, and make myself really look stupid. And so it is just, just humble yourself. When you're wrong, just admit it. Don't stiffen your neck. Don't harden your heart. Just admit it. And I, well, I've already done that. I've already ran my mouth too much. Well, then just, you know, open your mouth and swallow, eat those words. Now, you want to wait longer? You know, eat it now. Uh, just get it over with. You're going to have to eat it at some point. Do you want to eat it now while it's fresh or do you want to eat it later when it's rotten and fermented? You know, it's, it's only going to get worse. So stubbornness in the end, it will, it will permanently lock you into a horrible position that you're never going to be able to get out of. We see there in 15 verses 26 to 29, you know, when he tells the Lord he rent the kingdom from thee and then he says in there, he makes the, uh, in verse 29, he said, and also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. And it's interesting, people look at that passage and get confused. And we talked about this in Sunday school because in verse 11, God said, it repenteth me that I have made Saul king. But then here he says, he's not a man that he should repent. Right here, when you look at what this means, it actually proves what repentance actually means. It means a change of mind. Because in verse 11, God changed his mind about Saul being king because of his stubbornness and because of his rebellion. When he says that he is not a man that he should repent, it's because what he's doing here, God has pronounced a judgment on Saul and he said, and you know what? There's no getting out of this judgment. Sometimes in the Bible, God would give a judgment and say, if you'll you know, turn from your sin, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, then this judgment won't come. In other words, this judgment's coming, but you know what? I will repent of this judgment if you'll do this. But in this story with Saul, he said, You're, you've lost the kingdom and I am not changing my mind. And I am not like a man that will change my mind about a judgment like that. Just like his parents, if you, we've probably done that before. You're getting spanked when we get home and there's no getting out of this one. And then... You let him get out of it. After you told him there's no getting out of this one. Okay, we do that, but God doesn't do that. God said, you're, this is coming and I am not repenting of it. And I'm not like a man, you're not going to change my mind on this. 
But God does change his mind about other things, but we are not going to change his mind on these things. And Saul, now, he's, he's done for. There's no fixing it. It's too late. And you can't reason with somebody once they get locked into stubbornness. I call it getting, you know, stuck and stupid. And, and know a lot of people like that. But Acts chapter 7 verse 51 says, He stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. The Jews had a history of being stiff-necked and stubborn. And then here in, in the book of Acts, it's the same thing. You're, you're resisting. You're fighting. And after a while, you can get to the point where there is, there's, there's no turning back. You can't reason with somebody who gets locked into stupid. There's guys out there that have just said so much, so wrong for so long, there's no changing them. Absolutely. There's just no way you're going to change them. You can show them Scripture in black and white. I mean, it's right there. Hey, you missed it. It's right there. Nope. No. They are not going to change. And then they act like it's this noble thing. You know, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to think. You know, the thing's the same. That's the new. That's the new slogan of the IFB today. The thing's the same. You know, the things which I was learned to me among many witnesses. The thing. Uh, I can't remember the rest of it. The same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The things the same. We've got to keep the things the same. Well, that's fine if those things are right. But if those things are wrong, you need to change them. You know, what if the Catholics have that attitude? The things the same. You know, well, then they're going to continue going to hell. There are some things we need to change on. We need to let the Word of God change us, but we do. We get locked into stubborn, and we can get locked into pure stupidity where we just deny Scriptures that's right there. I mean, as clear as the nose on our face, and they reject it, and God's finally going to say, you know what, I'm done with you. I'm done working with you. And we got churches today, they've just hit a dead end. They're not doing anything. They're not going anywhere because they're not willing to change in areas where they need to change. And then they are changing in areas where they shouldn't change. That's the thing that drives me nuts. Some of these same people that are teaching the things the same, saying the things the same all the time, they're not doing things the same. They're not preaching the same things. I'm preaching a message tonight that I, the preachers I grew up listening to, they preached it all the time. And now they won't preach it, they won't preach it at all. They're not preaching the things the same. They just say they are. They use the slogans. They love the slogans. They love the one-liners from the Bible, but they never actually change anything in their life. And, you know, they're never growing. They're never progressing. They're, I'm the same person I was 20 years ago. Well, that's too bad. You know, we're supposed to be becoming more like Christ all the time. You know, shame on you for being stuck and being stubborn and being stiff-necked. You should be more like Christ today. We don't. We shouldn't brag on that. You know, we ought, We should always, when we look back at the history of our church, we, ought to, we, ought, we should always look back at us and be like, man, what was wrong with us then? Because we're always growing. We're always getting better. I mean, that, that ought to be the attitude. You know, and... But unfortunately, that's not, that's not the case today. And so stubbornness or your inability to change your way of life or thinking, it's what will cause you to have a year much like last year. A lot of these churches today that are just begging for revival, just waiting for the Lord to send revival. You know why they're not going to have revival this year like they didn't have revival last year? Because you know what they did last year? They sat around waiting. 
instead of just getting up and doing what they're supposed to do, instead of getting right, instead of fixing things in their life, instead of turning from their evil ways, they are going to have another year exactly like last year where they're sitting around waiting for something that's not going to come because they don't even understand what revival is. And we can't let that be the case with us. We often are so focused on not changing, we fail to change in the areas where God wants us to change. I don't, the Lord hasn't showed me any areas where I need to change this year. Well, come talk to me. I'll help you. I'll help you with that, with those things. You know, the Lord should always be changing us. The Holy Spirit should always be trying, you know, He's always going to be trying to purge things out of our life. He's always going to be trying to make, make us better, make us more like Him. Every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. We should be coming more like Christ. We should be coming better better Christians all the time and the ability to admit you're wrong and to humble yourself it's the most liberating thing in the world it really is I'm telling you people are forgiving I I learned a great lesson years ago uh, when I was at the last church I made a big mistake my wife's going to know what I'm talking about real quick I I handled the situation in a terrible way I'm not going to tell you the story because I'm too embarrassed by it and it was, it was just one of those things, you did it, and after I did it, I was like, that, that was stupid. And then I got called out for it. And you know what my first, my first instinct when I got called out for what I had done was to defend myself. That was my first instinct. Defend myself. They deserved it. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that, but they still deserved it. You know, that, that was my first instinct. That was what I wanted to do. And I remember... I, I remember I got called out and I, I admit, yeah, I, I shouldn't have done that. What should I do? And I was told what to do and I went and I did it. And you know what? It stunk. It felt terrible. I had to go and I had to get a, you know, I had to eat my words. And it tasted terrible. But at the same time, at the same time, when I did that, I will never forget the feeling I had of peace and just knowing that while I had messed up royally, I was now doing the right thing. And he, and I talked to these people that I had wronged and they were crying. And I felt like garbage. But you know what? They forgave me. And I can look these people in the eye today and be friends with these people today because you know I did the right thing. And I'm telling you, it was the weirdest thing. I felt terrible and I felt great at the same time because I, I just took my medicine like a man. And if I would have been stubborn, if I would have fought it, it would have caused me a lot of problems. And I knew I was wrong from the beginning. But at the same time, I could have lied to myself. But deep down, always knowing I was wrong... And it would have only made things worse and would only cause me greater trouble later on down the road. And I'm telling you, I have, I have learned that it is, it is very liberating when you can just be quick to say, yeah, I was wrong on that. And so I can do that. I can get up, I can preach, I can preach stuff. And you know what? I'm going to mess up. I've never claimed, I've never claimed I'm perfect. I've never claimed, I've never claimed that I've, everything I've ever preached is perfect. And so I don't have to worry about eating those words if somebody proves that I'm not perfect. And then, you know, when it does come along and somebody's like, hey, 
you preach this, but you know what? The Bible actually teaches this. Well, I don't want to have to be like the mainstream IFB and have to avoid have another subject to avoid. I want to be able to preach the whole counsel of God. You know what I'm just going to do? I'm just going to humble myself and say, yeah, I was wrong. And I'm going to fix it. And now I can preach whatever I want. And you know what? I mean, I love studying my Bible. The Lord shows me things all the time. I learn things all the time. But do you think for five seconds that God's going to do that if I'm going to be stubborn and not willing to change when He shows me where I'm wrong? It's not going to happen. I'm going to be up here. I'm going to be preaching the same thing every week. Is that all, is that all you want to hear every week? Do you, want, do you want a pastor that messes up occasionally, maybe a lot, but will admit it, but at least has a variety of material? Or do you want a pastor who's never wrong and just preaches every week? Go to church, read your Bible, pray. Go to church, read your Bible. Do you want that every week? All right? Take your choice. I, but that, because that's what happens. These preachers who never admit they're wrong or anything, God stops giving them stuff and their preaching just goes down the toilet and bores their people to tears. And I don't want that to happen to you all. And so when you find out you've been doing something wrong and you're unhindered from fixing it and enjoy, you know, and you, or you don't let stubbornness stop you from fixing it, you can have the joys and blessings that come with doing things right. And so stubbornness, that is the thing that will, tie you, that will tie you down and it will imprison you like nothing else. And we've got people all over this community, all over the world that are miserable. And they're miserable because of their sin. And the thing is, they could be happy, but they would have to admit they've been doing things wrong. And they would have to swallow their pride, but most of them are going to be stubborn. And they're going to have a miserable existence because of it. Don't let that be you. Let 2018 be the year that you change. Stop being so inflexible. Let God change you. Get rid of the stubbornness. And the first thing you need to do in 2018 is on January 1st by 12 o'clock in the afternoon when you've already messed up and done something wrong, start all over again. Don't wait until next year. You'll only be more stiff. You'll be more stubborn than next year. You'll be harder than ever. Get these things right today. Don't be crippled by the sin of stubbornness. So with that, let's all stand together.